Weird shit, weird shit, weird shit, my mom says. Episode 36, I'm Jules. What? I'm Cece. What? For real. 36? I know. Hey, we're actually getting our shit figured out. Like we're... We are. We are. Yeah, like... I was like, we are? We are? <laughs> we are. We are. Okay, like this is it. This is it. That's our intro? Well, I think that we're going to... So we've just kind of flown by the seat of our pants up till this point. But guys, I mean, we're on episode 36. I think we need to get our shit together and like actually make yeah, this like a for real thing. I think we're going to keep doing this, right? I think we're going to keep doing it too. I just like I wish that more people was lis- were, were listening. I wish more people us. was listening. And yeah, well, I don't know. Um, It's super fun. So. Tell your friends, tell your neighbor, tell you everyone. So I think if we just make it more legit, like let's just cranberry lodge this shit. I think, yeah, I think that what, what Jules was referring to is a manifestation. It's a manifestation. We call it a cranberry lodge in our family because, well, that's what little Lucy used to do when she wanted something. She would just uh, manifest it and say it was happening. Like a visit to the country lodge. Yeah. She yeah, wanted to go yeah. swimming real yeah. bad. So she just told all the other kids that it was happening. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, guys. So what's new? I, I seriously, we recorded last two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. And I haven't talked to you a ton. So what's up? Um, I don't feel like much is up. I think um in my life the only thing i'm concerned about at this moment really is frank had some friends over last night and <laughs> there there might be vomit immediately outside of my door really? right now from one of his friends maybe puking off the deck but then otherwise they threw just some of the taco meat that he had like off of the deck upstairs which also doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me so to so, to be clear here to be clear here when you had this house party um Anna was at her dad's house, right? Yeah. And <laughs> I left with friends for a short time and then came back and hid in the basement. And it wasn't, I mean, it was like he had literally three friends over. It wasn't like a house party, but they they had a bit to drink. They had some I fun. Believe. Yeah, they were having fun. Okay, okay. That's good. I'm sorry that the yeah, wild thing. Yeah, what's new with you? Um, yeah, it's okay. Oh, boy. I don't, I don't know. Just, um, just doing some things around the house as per usual. I'm always building something, right? Yeah. Um, I heard you were huffing paint yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah. I did huff some paint yesterday, but not intentionally. The doc rebuilt an a Dodge truck. He kind of he bought like an old truck from Frank for minimal dollars that Frank said was a goner, and then he Frankensteined that with another truck and he's getting near the very <laughs> end and it looks beautiful. It really does. So I'm, I'm giving him his public shout out because that's his baby. Her name is, it is pretty her cool. name is Mary Shelley. And she, because you know, Frankenstein, um, and she came from two mm-hmm. different trucks, actually three different trucks and she's about ready to hit the road, but he was painting yesterday and I came in and I had this massive headache later and I woke up this morning and just had like a baby fever and my head still hurts 
So I just am manifesting that I that I'm not feeling that. So it's bloody Sunday is what it is. It is bloody Sunday and I did not grab a bloody, but I have to drive later. Oh, okay. So, so you can't do that. I had yeah, just I enough for a very large bloody Sunday. <laughs> you couldn't say small one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like one of those giant cups. And that's what I'm doing. I'm having a spicy well. bloody Sunday, Bloody Mary, because we are going to finish talking about, well, bloody Bordens today. Yeah. So we are. Are we going to do this in one one episode, you think? It may be a really long episode, guys. So feel free to like pause and pause, keep it going. But I think we do want to wrap it up. And I think that. I've proved that I can only edit a podcast a week. And so if I'm forced to do this editing of a long one, <laughs> I can so handle sorry. that. Like I'll just, just fucking do it. It might not come out till Monday because sometimes it, it gets busy up in here. But well, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I think we can. Maybe you should try happen. to not say as many likes or ums or something. I should try to do that. Or coughs. I've just not been cutting them out as much, but I do cough. I feel like most of your editing has probably been coughing. Well, because I have chronic bronchitis. I don't know what to tell you. I got rid of it, and then now it's back because I had COVID. So what do you do? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so let's let's recap a little bit about, you know, like for those of you that did not listen to episodes 34 and 35, don't listen to this, okay? Like, goodbye. Hang up. Just get out of this episode, go back, listen to okay. episode 34 first, and then listen to episode 35, because in those, uh, for those of you that did do your homework and did that, let's recap a little bit. In 34, we talked about, we just kind of set the stage, right? We set the Victorian yep. stage for that time period, um, what things were going on, what the house looked like. We set up that basically the house is a big old block Right. And it's got the mm -hmm. very front front foyer when you walk in, which has a set of stairs. Next to that is the sitting room. Did I make that up? What the fuck is that thing called? Yeah, just guys go back. Just go it's back. It's a parlor. And, it's a parlor. So and listen to it. But literally like in the front sitting room when you walk in, main floor, and then a dead stepmom is upstairs in the back, which you can't access from the front stairs. No, she's not in the back. Unless you know about a secret door. She's not in the back. Oh, she wasn't? No, she's in the front of the house. She was. Whose room was she in? We're going to have to knock. In a guest room? Yeah, we're going to have to cut some of this out because Foxelberry Rocks is sounding off. Okay. God damn it. Right. Okay, so basically you've got the front of the house is got... The entryway with the, the big fancy staircase that goes upstairs. And that goes up to the three bedrooms that are up there. The guest room where they found Abby dead. Which, if yeah. you're walking up those stairs, you would be eye level with the floor. And you would see her dead ass body probably looking at you. Okay. Not cool. Just with its eyeballs just staring oh, up at no. you. Yeah. Um, I don't really know oh. if that's true or not. I made that part up. Okay. And that's how I'm going to imagine it. Okay. And if my... you walk through the front mm -hmm. entryway and you open the door, you're going to go into the sitting room where you're going to see old boy dead. Andrew. Andrew okay. Borden will be slain on the on couch. On the couch. 
Yes. Laying on the couch. So let's kind of, I, I just want to go through that day. And then, of course, um, the doc did the autopsy with us in the last episode. So now we're going to go. Yeah. Let's start the story now. Like now that we've laid all the groundwork, okay. let's talk about the story. And when we're talking about that story. So we're kind of doing this how the detectives would have, though, right? Yeah. Like Because we found the dead bodies and now we're investigating what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's what we're doing. That's what Jules meant to do this whole time. Yeah, that's totally what I meant to do. I don't know if you totally. guys knew that, but I'm kind of a detective. I have a badge. I don't really have a badge. <laughs> I wish. She does not. I I want one a lot. I do. I want one. I'll probably have to get you a detective badge, and all I want is a ufology degree. Ufology. <laughs> I still don't know how to say it. I'm I just going to give matter. you a tinfoil hat. With yeah, an antenna on top. All right. So yes, we are going to take this back to, as I'm detectivizing, we're going to go through the story. Like, what the fuck happened? Right? So the night before the this all happened, what we do know is that Uncle John Morse, right? Remember the weirdo Morses? People said they were a little bit odd mm-hmm. looking. Uh. Lizzie's a sea captain said they were. Yeah, yeah the sea were. captain. The sea captain plays yeah. absolutely no part in all of this, as we all know now. Okay, I just am never going to drop it, but keep he going. He's just right. a plain old seaman. That is all. I'm just like thinking that he's like that fish stick guy. He is. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he's part of it, whether you want him to be or not. There's fish stick guy thought that the the original mom was weird in his yellow rain slicker stepmom was yeah okay original yellow rain slicker yeah original mom okay original mom has a brother his name is john john is a little bit younger than original mom sarah and the night before he you know he was kind of like back and forth to fall river and just the east coast in general because um, he had yeah. moved to the Midwest. Like, he was in Hastings, Iowa. Oh, and I kind of know where that is. Yeah, like, I know it's, like, within driving distance. In your neck of the woods. And so he was back on the East Coast, and I think he actually was living on the East Coast in Rhode Island, um, in Warren. Warren, Rhode Island. Um, he moved there in 1890, moved back. And so he was on one of these visits, and it was not unheard of for him to come and stay with Andrew and Abby Borden. So brother-in-law from his first marriage, but he's still still talking business with Andrew and stuff, right? They're friendly. There was even a period of time he spent an entire year living with the Bordens while Lizzie was in high school. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is that, you know, there's a very good chance that, like, on a regular day for her, she would she would hear her uncle and her dad sitting around reading newspapers, talking about real estate, investments, general business, all that kind of stuff. Like, he was... An, so learning stuff from them? Well, not saying that, but, like, I'm just saying he was a regular fixture in their house, like, while she was in high school. Okay. So one would think... Like, you were a regular fixture in our household, you know, when the kids were growing up. So, in other words, I'm saying that if you came to visit, the first thing the kids would do 
is what? Pop in and be like, oh, my God, you're here, right? Yeah. Like one would think. So the night before. Because we're very exciting as aunts and uncles. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, apparently he wasn't. He came to visit the night before. Um, And the reason I say this is later on when Lizzie gets home, she doesn't really seem to give a fuck that he's there. Which is kind of odd in itself. But. Well, if he's like there all the time. He arrives and uh, I just have to throw this in here because I did not see it anywhere except for I just heard it somewhere. For some reason, I heard that when he arrived at their house, he wasn't wearing pants. And I'm like, like, where did that come from? I have not seen that anywhere. I just heard it on some podcast and I'm like. Maybe that's why she didn't really give a fuck because she was like I need to get away from this situation my uncle's here without pants on I don't think that was the case or her or he maybe he wasn't a very nice person like maybe she's just like oh he's oh that guy hate when he's here maybe yeah I mean like her whole family didn't sound like that much fun and she sounded like she wanted to go have a lot more fun and yeah yeah when he came that night he hung out with the Bordens. We already talked about what he looked like, right? He had a close cropped beard and mustache. He had these bloodshot eyes. He had very prominent veins in his eyes. You're talking about Andrew, right? No, no, no. This is this is Uncle John. Well, we didn't talk about that. Oh, okay. Well, we just did now. Yeah, we did? Just okay. talked about it. I don't want to jump around too much, but like after the trial, basically all of the different... All of the different newspapers around the country. It was like, I guess this was the first trial. That The reason why it became like the first OJ trial, basically, was because this was the first time via Telegraph that newspapers were able to like shoot out information like all around the country and report it basically in okay. real time. So like whatever happened today could be in the newspaper tomorrow because they were able yeah. to get all of these and that wasn't a normal thing. no like yeah. it was a newfangled thing in hastings iowa they kind of latched onto this and of course people start to to describe the family as we know right so it happened mm-hmm. to our family in the newspapers yeah. where we were all grotesques and yes it kind of happened to listen to episode one if you haven't even though our sound is bad yeah so basically the morse family was put under scrutiny and people were going to find as many reasons as they could to describe them in unsavory ways so okay because that's what they did yeah yeah so they said he had a a genial countenance a tall man who looked like a, a farmer he had a closely cropped beard and mustache and these bloodshot veiny eyes <laughs> like, and then it said he is so He is said to have cousins residing in this city, and he seems to be very little known by the townspeople residing in Padden. I don't even know how to say this. Padanarum. That that's like sounds like a fun word to say if I could get on the roller coaster of it, but I just can't. (laughs) Padanarum. Iowa. Padanarum. Uh, to them, he has been (laughs) looked upon as a mystery as they term it, simply because they have known nothing about him. 
Yeah, basically, like, people just want to talk shit about other people, and they want everyone to read their newspapers, so they just type shit. That's what the newspaper was about It back was. Then. It was. As the two men were talking, right, they're hanging out, talking about whatever it is the two old men that do business stuff talk about. Mm-hmm. Lizzie had actually gone out. Remember, the whole family was feeling sick, and Lizzie was perpetuating this okay. around to as many people that would listen to her. Like, telling everybody that everyone's barfing, nobody feels good. You know, I don't think they had the shits. I think it was just the barfs. Okay. But. But tensions could get high if everybody had the shits with the bathroom. That's why, that's why I brought that up, okay? Somebody had said in one of these that everyone had the squirts. Like, I'm, I'm going to, like, like, you think about it and you're like, that's the perfect scenario to ask somebody to death. Because you're like, I really need to shit on that toilet. Yeah kind of thing and but from what i've seen my dad's shitting on the toilet and he's not giving me a turn and so i'm just gonna ax him to death and now <laughs> we're down to the number of toilets in the vicinity that we have for the number of people to get this diarrhea out of our they bodies. did not in fact have the squirts okay and i mean okay. and if things are to be believed even if they did have the squirts case they could just walk around with one of those chamber pots like stuck up their butt like can they just like walk around and like oh, hold that yeah. up there they can just take a potty with them like you could sit anywhere and have the squirts that's true i think yeah okay okay so anyway she leaves because she must be feeling up to it she goes to her good friend alice russell's house which is not far down the road she came she went over there and she was talking a lot to alice about stuff you know and she's just like I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned. You know, I think someone's out to get our family. I think that we've been poisoned. You know, she's really setting the stage here. And she's saying, I'm going to sleep with one eye open because I'm just, I'm really concerned. Like there had been, there had been something that had happened at the house where supposedly somebody had broken into the house at a certain point. They stole some of these very particular train tickets. There's some talk about whether or not Lizzie got possession of those very specific train tickets that were stolen by the intruder and that she had used what, them. Where were the train tickets to? Like when you say they're very specific, like I think they were just like way? around the area. Like I think they they had like a it's not like a general admission kind of ticket. I think it was like very specific to their to the Borden household or something. Like maybe it was their standing So they had special train tickets. Like, maybe they had a sign. That somebody wanted to get their paw. You caught me. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know about the train tickets. I'm, I'm making things up like, now. I'm going to try to pretend like I know about them. I don't. It was like it was like a unlimited train ticket pass. Yeah, this is like the sea captain situation all over again. And okay. you just, like, there's a sea captain and he has some train tickets. <laughs> Sorry, I just like to fixate He on was the one. Things. He was the one that broke into the house. I bet he... He was like, I'm tired of traveling by sea. I need these train tickets because I want to experiment with being a train captain. I want to be a train man. A conductor, (laughs) if you will. Okay. So, very specific train tickets. Lizzie's setting the scene to let everybody know that something terrible is going to happen. Yeah, she's just like, she's really fucking scared, okay? She's scared. And... She's scared or she's She's scared. She's scared. Like, she thinks somebody coming from okay. for him. Like, she knows. So, Lizzie comes home from the usual conversation. And 
they didn't see her come in, but instead they just like heard the door close and the footsteps like running upstairs. Now, remember, like everybody had all the doors locked all the time, which is really weird because when we think about life in old timey neighborhoods, isn't that part of like when we have nostalgia about it? We're like, oh, remember a time when we were all comfortable and we didn't have to lock our doors? I think that's for people that were poor. Was that like in was that just like later on in the 1900s where people didn't lock their front doors in nice neighborhood or like you know in friendly neighborhoods? I assume that rich people have always locked their doors, especially oh. when your dad's like a miser. They locked all the doors all the time. The interior doors, the yeah. exterior doors, like everybody be locking their doors. They all had keys to oh, everything. Okay. It was crazy. Anyway, they hear her like they said uh she ran up her room <laughs> Why did they say race up the stairs? I don't feel like she'd be running up the stairs in her big old dress. Like, no. So the night before, she goes to her friend's house, comes back, and runs up the stairs. How do you know that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just reading off of a thing, okay? Like, that's what Liz said. All right, said. so all right. her room is, like, directly over the sitting room. Um, and it, there's some okay. potential that she could have heard them talking through the open windows. Like some people speculate that Lizzie heard some secret business that she wasn't supposed to be hearing. Right. And that maybe that provoked okay. her into being pissed off and premeditating the act of violence. That doesn't even make sense to me. If we're going on this this trail of Lizzie did it and she's already out there talking shit at Alice's house and being like. Yo, somebody's something bad's gonna happen. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure that like the final straw was not something that she heard Uncle John with no pants talking about in the yeah. front room. I think that yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, well, whatever the case is, they really that's not the point. Like, the point is that by ten o'clock, the two men went to their respective bedrooms, and John settled down in the guest room which is directly up those front stairs and then let's say that Andrew would have gone to the back of the house to the back staircase right so he'd have to walk into the Mm -hmm. kitchen through the kitchen up the back stairs and into the back part of the house because remember the house was kind of split off into two yeah and the only way to get from the back bedrooms upstairs to the front bedrooms upstairs was through that secret, well, it wasn't really a secret, but it was just a door that went from Lizzie's bedroom into Abby and Andrew's bedroom, right? That was blocked off by a desk okay. or whatever. Yeah. So in other words, one of them goes up the front staircase, one goes up the back staircase. I'm just setting the stage there. Okay. Okay. And from there, everyone goes to sleep. And they do their thing. Let's get started on the day. I did find this really good breakdown. It was a lady that I think was from a newspaper. And I really should find it so that you can reference it out there. Because that's where I got this breakdown. I was looking for something that showed us like the time stamps on the activities of the morning. Yeah. Bright and early. Let's remember everybody is barfing. Right? Everyone's got a tummy ache. And they're all like... Feel good. Was Lizzie also barfing? She says she was, but apparently nobody saw her barfing. Okay. Like later on in the trial, there's some pharmacist that comes about and says, 
that she was looking for prussic acid, right? And then other people say that maybe it's just because they kept eating the same mutton stew for days at a time. And gross. I know. It sounds really nasty. Like whenever they make the movies, they always show their food having like nasty flies and stuff surrounding around it. Well, if he was super cheap and then he was like, no, it's fine. Everybody gets to have diarrhea. So maybe they just all had diarrhea a lot of the time. Well, that's reason to kill about not having a shitter. Just saying. Yeah. I don't know. Like she's like, my dad makes me eat this food that makes me get diarrhea all the time. <laughs> and then there's not enough toilets in the house for me to deal with it. Correct. I feel like I might go crazy and ask somebody to death if I had a tummy ache all the time every day. Tummy aches are horrible. Well, and just like eating nasty food too. Like the things that they By eat. the way, I wouldn't actually ask somebody to death. I just want you to know. She that. wouldn't. She's that too gentile. An over exaggeration, yes. peeps. Yeah. Okay. Need not be asking anybody. Okay, so six fifteen in the morning, Bridget. We've all talked about Bridget. Bridget is that Irish the Irish maid, not that Irish maid. She's the Irish maid that worked for them, twenty six years old. Lizzie and Emma were they well they were kind of bitches about this. Um, a lot of people were very discriminatory against the Irish. And yeah. I just really think that they that Bridget and was very discriminated against in this household because they called her Maggie. Do you know why they called her Maggie? Because their former maid was called Maggie and they didn't want to change names that they called somebody. It was basically like I did their chores. Like you yeah. do my chores and I'm just going to call you Maggie whether you like it or not, even though that's not your name. You're not important enough for me to to learn a new name. It was shitty. That's not cool. Right. So, of course, one of the theories as we go through is that Bridget did it because she was pissed. Yeah. So let's keep that in mind, too. She also had diarrhea and she still had to work. She didn't have diarrhea. She was just puking a lot. Well, it, she wasn't eating the same food as everybody else. Oh, she was. I'm sure she had diarrhea on the regular. She probably didn't. She had to pretend she didn't have it. Okay. All right. Well. Wasn't allowed. <sighs> okay. So Bridget. She goes downstairs at 6.15 in the morning, right? She's up. She gets coal and she gets wood in the cellar, right? So she has to go through the kitchen, go all the way downstairs to where the indoor potties are, whatever. She needs to get wood to start the fire in the kitchen stove. And then she also takes in the milk from the back porch. Okay. Okay. So they do have somebody that like brings the milk too. That's another thing to consider. Like what if somebody poisoned the milk? just saying hmm. i don't know could be okay six twenty. so five minutes later john morse who's uncle john uncle john with no pants why why did somebody <laughs> say that he wasn't wearing pants like <laughs> did lizzie see him without pants on no, was the dad like, and uncle john having a secret affair no i never ever like i never saw this written anywhere that he didn't have pants but some podcast person said he like reference that he wasn't wearing pants. And I'm like, excuse me, sir, but where did you get that information? And but I think it's funny. So I'm repeating it. I don't know. Okay. Well, I don't know. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. I have watched and read so many different documentaries and podcasts and whatever on this subject that it all gets a little bit mumbo jumbled in my head. That's why we're doing this timeline. He goes downstairs, Uncle John goes downstairs to the sitting room. I presume he's wearing pants at this point. 
So he's okay. probably down there. I don't know what he's doing. Maybe reading the newspaper or something. Ten minutes later, 6.30 a.m., Abby, who is the murder victim, stepmother to Lizzie and Emma, she comes downstairs and she starts bossing around Bridget. Okay. And telling her what to do for breakfast. Ten minutes later, at about 6.40, somewhere between 6.40, 6.50, somewhere in there, Andrew makes his presence. He comes downstairs. He empties the slops. Remember the slop buckets that we talked about? Yeah. What happens with slops? It's not their poop. Remember? They throw it out by the pear uh, tree? You win. Yes. Yeah. So it's just the water that they use to kind of wash themselves up with because they don't have sinks upstairs. So he empties that slop bucket out by the pear tree. He picks some pears. And then he goes to the barn. Grown with his own feces. Yeah. It's not feces. It's just his dirty water from <laughs> cleansing himself. Oh, don't they throw the poop water out there too, though? No, they don't. They put that into the privies. We already talked about this. Oh, okay. Sorry. I forgot. Um, at about 6.45 a.m., so this is about the time, you know, that, that Andrew's, like, doing what he's doing. Bridget opens the back door for the Iceman. So you have, like... You have, like, a lot of people coming in, in and out of your space to your house, yeah. right? Like, you have somebody dropping off milk. You have somebody dropping off ice for your little ice chest. That's, you know, where you keep your gross-ass mutton that you eat for days. Yeah. Because they didn't have refrigerators and stuff because he didn't have electricity because he was squeaky when he walked. He was cheap. Yeah. Squeaky. Electricity was pretty new. It, not, he's got money. Like, they should have had electricity. Yeah. Okay. They probably should have. 7 a.m. By this time, you know, everyone's been up and about in the house for about 45 minutes. Borden's and John Morse have breakfast together in the dining room. Some podcasts and other people will try to tell you otherwise, but that is not what I have found. I have found that they did see each other in the morning, that they did have breakfast together in the dining room. Lizzie is lazy and she's still in bed. I mean, like, I like to yeah. still be in bed at 7 a.m. too, so it's fine. I would like to be as well. Yeah. yeah. I was still in bed at 7 a.m. today. Today. But it's a Sunday. It's bloody Sunday. Bloody Sunday. Okay. 7.15, Bridget sees Morse for the first time at the breakfast table. So, like, she comes back in from talking to the Iceman. <laughs> the Iceman. Do you remember? Do you remember? I just feel like that's, like, a cool name. I'm the Iceman. 7.30... After they're done doing what they're doing, I presume, like, she's, like, pretty much probably serving them and waiting on them during that 15 minutes while they're all eating breakfast together. And then she gets to eat her breakfast at 7.30, and then she clears the dishes away. 7.45, so 15 minutes later, Uncle John and Andrew are sitting and talking in the sitting room. <laughs> they're sitting in the sitting room. That was dumb. Sitting and talking in the sitting room, doing what they're supposed to do. They weren't watching TV as back then. Yeah. So Abby does sit with them for a little tiny bit. And then she gets up and starts to dust. So, like, I'm kind of confused by some of the stuff that goes on in this house. Like, if I had a maid, like, if I could have a maid and the maid was there, like, am I still going to be? I would probably clean for the cleaning lady to come if I had one. Honestly, You don't have a job when you're in this situation. So... There's no TV. There's nothing. Maybe you don't even know how to read. I don't know. What do you do? You're going to just clean. 
So you think she's just like Abby's just bored because she's like, well, we have this cleaning person and like I could do stuff too. Anyway, but like at the same time, like everybody's been barfing. Like they're all sickly. Why do you get up and start dusting? I don't get it. Maybe her husband didn't like it when she sat still. Oh, yeah. Because I certainly used to live with a man who, even if the house was very clean, if I wasn't cleaning it when he got home, he didn't like that shit. That's unfortunate. <laughs> and that's... It was. That's why you are a spinster. That's why I'm a spinster. Um. So basically, <laughs> from like for this hour of like 7.45 to 8.45 a.m., those three, the elders of the household, are all hanging out in the sitting room doing various things. At 8.30, Morse, John Morse, Uncle John with no pants, he sees Abby go into the front hall. The front hall would be that entryway. So she leaves the sitting room through that front door into the front entrance hall, 8.30 a.m. All right, let's go to 8.45 a.m., between 8.45 and 9 a.m. This is when Bridget slash Maggie goes outside to puke. Okay. So she's she's vomiting in the yard. She's vomiting in the yard because she's supposed to be out there cleaning the windows. And so she's just like, hang on a quick second before I get to my, my daily chores. I'm just going to scrub. Like she's taking a moment. Okay. To just be puking her guts out outside. Okay. So, in all fairness, I'm just going to say that you had to go, as a mom does, run Anna to some place. Yeah, we did take a break, and so things got we weird. We did take a break. And during that break, I was spending some time actually digging into the inquest testimony of Lizzie. So, I just... I need for everybody to understand, like, what was happening during her inquest testimony. So, like, when we're laying out the story, we need to keep in mind here that Lizzie was on morphine. For what? Well, after the murders, Dr. Bowen came in and was like, oh, child, here we go. We're going to give you some, some meds first she had this i think it's called like for hurt feelings or what (laughs) for hurt like why like what like usually it's a physical reason we would get morphine yeah it's her delicate feminine sensibilities okay like she they wanted her to be comfortable and everybody took morphine about everything okay so they were like hey you know what makes people feel happy when they're sad about their dad and mom being hacked to death morphine okay so they were expecting her to be level-headed while she's being questioned about this whilst on morphine correct so that's why i I, just like it's very unfair this whole thing is very yeah but people say weird shit on morphine they do i mean you could think that the vomit was talking to you if you were on morphine i mean like one time our dad told me to go get his special shoes his special shoes and we're like what shoes dad my special shoes so my point and then he tried to call work yeah it was weird yeah you got to keep people from 
you know, harming themselves by saying something really fucking weird Yeah, if they're on something. And the entire time that she was questioned about these things, um, she was kind of fucked up. And so there's a lot of these questions and they were really getting mean to her. Like, I feel like if I was on morphine and I had just killed my dad and my stepmom, I wouldn't be able to keep that secret. I wouldn't either. I'd be like, oh, that's not a secret. I'd be like, well, you, you caught me. I, I fucking hacked him to death. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm just, I'm just saying that if she did it and she didn't admit it while on morphine, that good for her. Okay, well, I'm not afraid to tell you all that this is really confusing. So, like, I'm trying to read through all of this stuff. I've heard the story in about a billion different ways. And I just want to say it, like, I know I'm not always the best at making the details come together in just the right way. You know, I read things on the internet. But in this case, this one is just so confusing. Like, when you're trying to figure out who was where, and I feel like we need, like, an interactive like a video where we have little characters running around in the house where we're like, okay, this person was here and this was here and this was here. So I'm just trying to tell you guys, I'm trying to do the best I can with what I've got here. But the woman's on morphine. There's too much noise. There's too much noise with this one. You're never going to really get all right. No. So we're just going to do the best we can with speculation. But what I'm saying here is that supposedly- That's why we do old all- crime so that we can speculate. I know, right? So the things that Lizzie says and the things that Lizzie actually did are probably completely different because sometimes she's like, I was upstairs. And sometimes she's like, I was downstairs. And then other times she's like calling her her mother. And other times she's like, don't call her my mother. She's Mrs. Borden. (laughs) Like, she's just, she's a lot and she's on drugs. Yeah. So this is understandable. All right, so we know that she had come down to the kitchen. She had talked to to Bridget, right? She says that that she that or whatever. We look here at this timeline that somebody had put together. They say nine a.m. Andrew leaves the house, but according to Lizzie, she had time. And now I'm looking at it and going, okay, if Lizzie or if Maggie or Bridget's outside barfing, then she wouldn't know what Lizzie was doing or not doing. So according to Lizzie, she did see her father before he left the house. And she doesn't know what time he fucking left the house. She's like, oh, I don't know, nine, mm, ten. Oh, I yeah. don't know. Like, she doesn't, she know. doesn't have anything up. to do. Right. She doesn't. So she makes herself busy, right? She meanders around the house, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that. According to her, Abby had told her Lizzie had told Lizzie that she had been up and made the bed up fresh and she had dusted that room because like we knew that Abby was like dusting downstairs right in the sitting room like Mm -hmm. while Andrew and John were talking. Apparently she had like gone upstairs, changed the bed, all the other stuff. She was getting the room ready because she had company coming on the next Monday. She wanted everything to be in order and she was going to shut that room up. Okay. Now. Lizzie also kind of said, like, in this inquest, she was talking, they were, like, asking her questions, like, well, why would Abby be in that room? Why would she blah, blah, blah? So it is presumed, based off of what Lizzie said, that she had gone upstairs and that the last finishing thing that she had to do up there was to put some some fresh, what they call pillow slips, 
um, so basically pillowcases. Yeah. Um, on the small pillows that were at the foot of the bed before she was going to close that room up. So that was like her last thing to do in there. They were like, why else would she be in that room? Apparently, uh, Abby used that bedroom as like extra storage space. Apparently, okay. she kept like one of her special cloaks in that room that she liked to wear when she would go out. She also used so it was like me extra... and my cat pee room at my last house where I would just put <laughs> yeah. things in there because it smelled like, like cat pee in there so. in the Gary room. Yeah, to be fair, it was Jules's cat that peed in it. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. We had a cat named Gary. Things went bad with Gary. Okay, it was during a big move. Okay, it, it just... was during a big move, and I wasn't mad about it. I finally got rid of the smell. But anyway, so and Gary ran away from us because he hated us so much during yeah. that move that he ran away at my mother-in-law's house, like midway through the country. He was like, "Fuck this yeah. shit." Yeah, Gary's still alive. Everybody, he's, he's an fine. Ohio he cat. Just... He lives in a barn yeah. now. Like he lives in a it's barn. All good. Nobody will touch him. Whatever the case is, that you know what I'm talking about. Like that extra bedroom. Uh, yeah, like a just a spare bedroom that you keep yeah. your shit in. Like, yeah. and when you have too much stuff, as a lady does from time to time, you need an extra room for stuff. There was also a sewing mm-hmm. machine in that room. So, like, who knows? Okay. But it appears by her death manner there that she was probably doing the thing where she was putting on the pillowcases. Like, that's what makes yeah. sense. In that moment. 9 a.m., Bridget returns into the house from barfing before she's getting ready to do the windows. And she says that she that she doesn't see Lizzie, but that she does see Abby dusting in the living room or in the okay. dining room. She doesn't see Andrew because, as we know, Andrew left the house. So Bridget didn't see Andrew leaving, but supposedly Lizzie's like, yeah, I talked to them beforehand, blah, blah, blah. Presumably at 9 a.m. is when Abby goes up to the guest room, according to what they can piece together here through all the different testimonies. The ones were for okay. people that are high as a kite and for people that are not named Bridget. The whole thing that they're trying to line up here is they're trying to to basically say like, Was there one door that was left open? The answer to that is yes. Like if we look at everything that I'm looking at points to that there was exactly one door where a person could come in or out of the house that was potentially unlocked during the time in which murders could be committed. And that's just like, and that's like not normal for that to be done though. So it seems like there was like, it was maybe there was somebody in the house. I'm sorry, like somebody, I I just can't see another way, but I feel like somebody was in the house, whether it was Lizzie that did the killing or Bridget that did the killing or somebody did the killing, but I think somebody was already in the house. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, whatever the case is between nine and 10 AM, that's when Bridget starts clearing away dishes, right? So she's, she's doing dishes she's whatever the case is here oh i lied i said that she went outside to barf when she was gonna wash windows actually she had gone outside to barf before she came back in and first she did you know she ate breakfast whatever was clearing away dishes so okay in other words she would have been they have they've tested this like if they were to take a 200 pound sack of taters 
you know, and dropped it on the floor, like how Abby would mm-hmm. have dropped on the floor when she yeah. got got killed. Like you would hear that. Yeah. Supposedly, from what I've heard, like it would shake the house. Now, things can happen in a house like we've talked about, like you were like, oh, what if she was flipping a mattress? What if she was doing something loud upstairs? Yeah. Like things happen in people's houses. People trip. Man, I trip all the time. Like, (laughs) can you imagine? Yeah, maybe she thought that she stumbled going up and down the stairs because it was dark in there. Maybe there's no electricity. It's daytime. I don't know. It's daytime, but whatever. Like things happen. I don't know what the window situation is like in the stairway. But also if you're like, if you're doing dishes, she was probably going to that back hallway where the sink was, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And like they're might be clanking things around. Yeah. And that's like in a completely like I, I just feel like it'd be very possible for there to be a big boom bang. In I the just house. feel like there's so many things that you would just be like, you could just assume it was so many things. What it uh the doc always tells me is called normalcy bias. That like if you hear something that's out of the ordinary yeah. that would normally scare you, your brain immediately tries to make it normal. They try to normalize your, it. Yeah, your brain categorizes things. Yeah, it like wants to protect you from scary. So, yeah, I mean, that would be the case, too. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, 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 I can square that away in my brain. Somewhere between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m., Abby is killed. So one might wonder, where the fuck was Lizzie during this? So supposedly... She's putting laundry Well, she could have been, like... (sighs) Lizzie was just, like, doing Lizzie things to keep busy, according to her. Like, this is her life whatever it is she does she decides that you know later on um in just a little bit we're gonna see that she she was gonna get ready to do some ironing of handkerchiefs um <laughs> 10 of okay. her best right as one does just want to make sure that your handkerchiefs are always presentable okay. um there was also some laundry supposedly that was in the dining room that she could have like you know been perhaps she was taking that upstairs to to put away um, at one point in time. There's just like a lot of questions asked of her about that time period. Like, what were you doing? What was going on? And she is having a hard time answering a lot of those questions because, again, morphine. Because she's high yeah. as fuck. She's flying. And they're like, well, why would you do this? Why would you do that? And she's like, I don't know. Why would you? You know, like, she <laughs> she's confused. Yeah. And... She may or may not have been up and down those steps. And, you know, it'd be hard. I'm partial to Lizzie, and I think it may be because of the spinster of I'm, it all. But Like, I'm partial to Lizzie she because she seems, like, later on in life, like, she's pretty much just like, fuck all of y'all. I, I didn't do anything. Like, yeah, I took some drugs, <laughs> like, yeah. after the fact. But, like, I'm just trying to get by. Like, everyone thinks I did these things. They're all saying these bad things about me. But this ain't, it ain't looking good on her. So she could have been putting some laundry away. She could have been, I mean, doing some things. She might have been laying on her lounge in her bedroom for a moment. Like, there's some things going on that she kind of talks about in here. But somewhere in there, in that, like, 9 to 10 a.m. period, Abby is taken down. Okay, the way you said that, I'm Why sorry I giggled. Giggle? There, a person died. I shouldn't be like that. 
Well, because you said taken well, down. Was. I don't know. It just was kind of a comical I mean, way like, to say it. And it could be. You are. I'm going to hell, And it guys. could be that, like, that door. This is why we do old crimes. So, like, that door could have been closed, according to Lizzie in her morphine stupor. That, like, she says that, like, oh, yeah, she would have closed the door to do whatever. I don't know. But then also, according to Lizzie, she's been telling everybody that'll listen that Abby also told her during this time period that she was going to go visit a friend. Like, she also says that Abby asked her, like, what she wanted for dinner, meaning lunch, because, you know, some people say dinner for lunch or supper for the yeah one that other people call dinner and then whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the noon meal. Yeah. So it was like, she said that Abby's regular um, was that if there was something that needed to be gotten at the market, that Abby would go out and get it for the noon meal. And they had asked John to come back okay. for dinner at lunchtime. So basically, she says that Abby had asked her, yeah. like, what she was hungry for. And she was like, well, I ain't eating any meat. Like, you know, she didn't normally eat the breakfast kind of thing. She wasn't sure if she ate a molasses cookie or not that morning. Like, I mean, Lizzie was having a hard time. Oh, I remember She was having a hard time cookie. remembering what she did or did not eat. But she did say that she didn't want any more meat um and that she told abby she was like nah i'm good i don't really want to eat lunch with you guys like nothing special kind of thing she kept saying that there was this note you know so later on lizzie's saying like well i just thought she was gone like that she had left i mean she leaves for the market she said that she was gonna visit a friend that wasn't feeling well she got some note or something she's like maybe she burned that note in in the kitchen, you know, in the little kitchen fire, because they had that little stove. So, I mean, yeah. like, there's things that speak to this, but, like, what the fuck was Lizzie doing during this time period when Abby was getting killed? Who fucking knows? I don't know. She was living her spinster life, trying to come up with things to do. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're at. So, um, okay, 9.30 a.m., this is... This is just going to speak to, there's various people like at this union savings bank that talked to Andrew. There's a few different people that are just like pinpointing his whereabouts saying like, yeah, he was, he was out and about by 9.30 a.m. So that does suggest that, yeah, he probably did leave the house at 9 a.m. Um, you know, to just kind of pinpoint yeah. that that makes sense if he would have been like walking along. He was walking to wherever he was going. They did live near downtown. So we got um, Abraham G. Hart. He was at the bank talking to him. You know, there's a couple other people at the bank that he talks to, like John P. Burrell. He's a cashier. He talks to him. And also during this time period at 9.30 a.m., let's talk a little bit about Uncle John. Uncle John was probably wearing some... Yeah, I kind of wanted to know, like, did Uncle John come um, back for lunch? He did later on. Oh, he did come back what, later What's on, Uncle John and doing? That, that's like a weird thing that happened later on. But, no. Was he wearing a new uh, outfit? 9.30 a.m., so. he went to 4 Waybosset Street, number 4 Waybosset Street, um, to supposedly visit another niece and nephew while he was in town. During the inquest that I was looking at when we were on the break, there was a lot of questioning her about why she didn't 
go and talk to John Morse, like as a visitor. And she's just like, I don't fucking know. Like, dude, like, yeah, she was like, like he's in my house all this, the time. he had just been at my house in June. She's like, my, she's like, normally when, if I were going out in the evening and I would come back, she's like, I would let myself in the front door, lock the house up for the night and just go to my own room. She's like, they're like, well, why didn't you go and say hi to your family? And she's like, basically like, I want to talk to them. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, you have to keep in mind here. Yeah. This, yeah like, I'm like trying a 32 to avoid year old woman. People. There had been a falling out with the family. Like, not that long before this. Wow. So I don't know. We, we kind of like hinted at it, I think, in some of the other episodes. But there had been a falling out. And the falling out was basically, in a nutshell, that Abby has or had a sister she had a stepsister that was considerably younger than her like half her age and she had that mother-daughter kind of relationship with that half-sister anyway that half-sister had gotten into some financial trouble yeah um with a portion like i guess they owned like half of a house or something like that and they were going to get kicked out of this house if something wasn't done and so basically abby went to andrew and was like hey my little sister's in trouble and he was like okay cool here's some money you just go buy that part of the house. This money was spent on Abby's family. Yeah. And supposedly the sisters, Lizzie and Emma, were pissed about it because they're like, why are you spending money on that? And I'm sure they were mad because like they don't even have real toilets or electricity. And they're like, what the hell? Andrew was in the process of looking at other yeah. properties actually when he was killed. So that's just something else to keep in mind there. But this had been a thing that the sisters uh, Lizzie and Emma were pissed off about and supposedly that might be one of the reasons why she stopped calling her mother why she started calling her Mrs. Borden instead because she was just mad that seems like it's starting to create some motive though too since yeah it was like I thought it was maybe more about attention but it sounds like that was also about money no it was definitely some things about money um, they did ask her a lot of questions in this inquest like about whether or not she knew how much her father was worth and she said no she kept saying no you know there there were some tensions there the father had tried to make it right by giving them a property that i believe used to be their grandfather's or something like that um he gave it to the girls yeah. the girls had it for i think about 5 years or so and they were every time something would go wrong with the house they ended up spending the rent money that they got on fixing the house up. And they were like, man, this is stupid. This isn't fun. You know, like, basically, I think they got sick of it. Oh, they were, like, renting it out to other people. Yeah, they were renting yeah. it out. It really wasn't that okay. lucrative. And the f he was like, you want to be a landlord here? Exactly. You know, like and the house, I think, was worth, like, 2500 bucks. And then Andrew was like, okay, fuck it. You guys are being whiny bitches. Just, I'm going to buy the house back from you for $5,000. Boom. Here you go. Please yeah. shut up. I mean, yeah. Is there motive that's in there? Yeah. They also asked her about, like, had anyone been visiting the house? Like, do you know that your dad had problems with anybody? And she claims that, yes, somebody had come around. Um, the dad had let the guy in and they had had some heated words in the front room of the house. Basically, they were arguing about, I think it was a store or something like that, and, and Andrew didn't want to give the guy the store space to rent it out to him or something like that, and they, they got into it. Andrew told them to get out. 
And so, okay. I mean, it was bad enough that he got pissed and was like, get the fuck out of my house. And that had happened. But in that situation, like, why does the wife get axed and, like, the daughters don't? I don't know. And, like, why was it so much more brutal at the wife? So I, I really don't think that this was, like, an outside person coming in. I do I do think that, that Lizzie had something to do with this or maybe the uncle had something to do with this, like, setting up the person coming to get yeah. him. Like, who had something to gain? The girls did. I mean, like. Yeah. And then the way that the laws are set up, too. Um, so they had to kill. They had to kill the wife first so that the inheritance laws would fall to the daughters completely. So if if the father was killed first, then the way that the law read in Massachusetts at that time is that the inheritance would have been split up between the three parties. So if he would have been first to die, the money would have all gone to Abby, Lizzie, and Emma. And so then that section of the money that was Abby's would then be distributed to whoever was in her will. But if, if yeah, instead of yeah. to the girl. Yeah. So, but if Abby's killed first, then everything that was Abby's would then flip over to Andrew. So that house, remember the house that she bought for her sister? Yeah. So then that would flip back over to Andrew. And then upon Andrew's death, that would all go to Lizzie and Emma. Get it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's in But we don't know what her Google search history looks like. We really so. don't. We really don't. So let's, you know, sorry I got off track there a little bit, but just kinda wanted to to input a little bit of, of what I had had just heard and then how that links up to other things I had found out about so we know for sure for sure that andrew's out of the house at 11 30 bridget at this point 11 30 she's done cleaning up those dishes and stuff and then she heads from the kitchen passes that sink area where she was probably doing dishes and then goes down into the cellar because she's going to start washing windows she has to get some supplies from down in the cellar or whatnot we talked about this like it does sound like she came back up those stairs, went back into that back area of the kitchen where the sink was so that she could leave the house through the back door. She sees Lizzie at the back door after she comes back up from the cellar and talks to Bridget there. And Bridget tells Lizzie, don't don't bother locking the door. I know that they had some other conversation at this time, like... Lizzie supposedly told Bridget, like, oh, yeah, there's a sale in town, yada, 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 was, like, telling her some other things. And that was just, that's just a side note to know that the two of them did talk. Okay. Okay. 9.30 to 10.20, Bridget goes outside, and the first thing she does, according to her testimony, is that she sees the Kelly, which she calls, quote-unquote, the Kelly girl. Kelly girl is basically the working girl that that works at the south side neighbors house so okay south side neighbors are the kelly family and then the north side neighbors are the churchills the churchills can see basically mrs churchill if she's looking out her kitchen window can see the back door 
like the side back door where everybody's coming and going okay. from, right? So let's keep that in mind because we want to know, again, that's the only door that we know of. Supposedly, the police did look later, and it appears that the cellar door was also locked. So it's not like somebody could be going out the back of the house. And we know that the front door is locked. So it's this side door that we really care about. 945, Andrew is still at the bank. That's where he's still talking to a cashier, John Burrill. I think I already said that before. 955, he talks to somebody called Everett Cook. Right? So he's spending a significant amount of time over here at the National Bank. They're just setting up that he is still out of the house and has not returned yet. 10 a.m., sometime between 10 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., Mrs. Churchill, the north side neighbor, remember the one that could see what was going on over at their house? Can see that door see that from door. her window. Yeah. She says that she sees Bridget outside washing windows between 10 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Bridget says that at nine tw- or at ten twenty that she re-entered the house from that side door, and that she was washing windows inside. Lizzie, in her inquest, they're asking her all sorts of questions about. So basically, Lizzie's the only person in the house besides the killer. Yeah. Right. And so their point here, and they're asking her questions. They're like, "Well, where the fuck were you?" Because couldn't wouldn't you have had to have seen anybody that that left the house you know went from the upstairs from the front hallway where they killed abby and then also to the outside like wouldn't you have had to have seen that person like they kept asking her where were you in there and she's like well i suppose i could have been in the dining room and not seen them right like the killer presumably could have gone from upstairs where they killed abby missed seeing Lizzie, if she was perhaps in the dining room. I think that this person, if it's a different person, I think that they went in that guest bedroom, killed Abby, closed the door, and kept the door closed. Like that, I just feel like is what happened. And and Lizzie didn't know that or was on morphine when she was asked. That makes the most sense to me that they would have been like very easily able to hide in that room. Me too. Me too. Because... For that amount of time right. with the door closed or even like right behind the door. Right. Because she's like. And then like thinking that if somebody comes in there and is like, oh, my God, Abby's dead. Then you just fucking ax them, too. Even if you didn't mean it to. It seems to me like that would make the most sense for like if it wasn't Lizzie. Yeah. That's. And if the uncle was behind it, too, he might not want like he wouldn't have wanted maybe his own nieces to be killed. Right. You know, like these two are my my blood relatives. And. So who knows? Like maybe they're so that could be a reason why they were left alone as well. If it was a business dealing that had to do with that family, I just like wonder. It it makes me wonder. Or maybe Morse was just like sick of the whole Abby situation. Like he was like, why should she get a cut of my dead sister's family stuff? Or like, yeah, maybe Morse and Lizzie were in it together and had somebody do. I don't know, and they. You know, they just decided that they were going to stay away from each other to make, you know, to like keep the suspicion down. I don't know. They both did really weird things during this time period. But 1029, some dude sees the city hall clock and says that that he saw Andrew heading home. This guy named Joe Shortsleeves, he sees (laughs) he sees (laughs) Andrew sometime between 1030 and 1040. 
It just his name is great. Hello, Mr. Short Sleeves. <laughs> Mr. Short Sleeves. <laughs> is there a Mrs. Short Sleeves in your life? <laughs> it's just a great name. I want to find a man and marry him and be named Short Sleeves. <laughs> I really am. You see Short Sleeves. <laughs> Uh, next door neighbors is Mr. Tank Top. Anyway, <laughs> leave this muscle okay, shirt. Um, let's keep going. Anyway, <laughs> wife beater, Mr. Wife beater, Mr. and Mrs. I kind of like <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Muscle Top. Wait, muscle, <laughs> muscle tank, muscle shirt. Muscle I don't shirt. know. Okay, whatever. We're totally off topic. Okay. Um, come on. Okay, what happened after Mr. Short okay. saw him? 10.30 to 11.40. So the same period that Mr. Short sleeves is seeing him. Mrs. Kelly, so that's the Southwood neighbors, she she observes Andrew going to his front door. So basically, um, everybody's kind of, you know, fighting about whether or not when did they see him when did they not so the latest he could have been at the front door i think would be 10 40 andrew can't get into the door so he's like fumbling around with the with the key at the door but he can't get in because it's dead bolted from the inside normally according to lizzie yeah. that would be it would be bridget's job to undo the the deadbolt in the morning she she was distracted because of vomit yeah, she's pukey. And also, they're like, oh, do all these chores while you're pukey and all these other things, right? So apparently, according to Bridget, she opens the door. Andrew just, like, comes in and is kind of a dick and doesn't even say thank you or anything. And she's just, like... He was being passive-aggressive because she forgot to do her job and unlock oh, the front door. You're right. He probably was. So Bridget's, like, struggling with it. Did they leave through the front door earlier, though? I <laughs> thought so. No. I thought that's what we said. Did he? Or the uncle and him left side door earlier. Side door? I think it was side door. I'm sorry I keep interrupting. Hopefully, I think, hopefully people can keep track of what we're talking about here. I think it's side door. I think everybody leaves through side door. And that's why we're focusing okay, on it. Okay, so side door so is much. normal. So that's weird that he came back through that front door. But anyway, Oh, okay, I so think he, he gets... tried to get in through the through the side door and he couldn't. It was my understanding in one thing that I heard that he, like, couldn't get in through the side door and that... Weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's... Whatever the case is, like, it just, like, all his locking of doors everywhere, like, inside and outside. Yeah. Um, There was also questions, too. So, like, we know that if you're in the, on the second story of the house inside, there's that question. I've had all these questions now about whether or not they could move between Lizzie's room and and on the backside of Lizzie's room directly, like she shared a wall with Andrew and Abby's bedroom. So it's like there's, yeah. because it had been two different apartments at one time, like basically these two bedrooms were back to back. And kind of like when you and me lived in the same, like we lived in a, a yeah. two-family house, and our bedrooms were back-to-back. -back. It would be like if mm -hmm. we would have had a secret door that adjoined our two bedrooms. Like, that's what theirs was. Yeah. Which is weird and creepy. But 
That's just kind of creepy. Supposedly, there was an iron hook lock on that door and also another lock uh-huh. that would keep, that was on Andrew's and Abby's side of it. So, like, Lizzie couldn't just, like, open that door and go through it. Also, Lizzie had furniture up against that. So it wasn't just, like, an easy okay. pass through. So basically... And it was probably, like, big, heavy wooden furniture yeah. because of the time. Yeah. And they don't make them like they used to. It wasn't like a, you know, like a $50 Walmart desk that weighed two ounces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, and it's not like these people were, these women weren't, like, super big people. So it's not like she could just pick up furniture over her head and move it real quick. You know? <laughs> just like a little no. lady. Okay. All right. So my point is telling you that, like, there's a lot of locks going on in this house everywhere. And so you're trying to figure out, like, what the fuck's going on. Bridget can't get it open. She's standing there. And she swore in Gaelic. She probably said something closer aligned with the word shit. But she was in court and she was, like, embarrassed, I'm sure. So she told everybody that she said, pshaw. Like, that was her swear word. (laughs) But everyone's like, that's not even really a swear word, even in Gaelic. So I I don't think that's what you said, ma'am. Well, I think that's what you said. No, yeah. she said something that was unsavory, and she says that she heard... It was like, oh, fuck, I forgot to unlock the yeah, door. Yeah. Like, anyway, so she heard Lizzie laughing on the stairs. Because if it is, her, in fact, her job to do that, and then her dad's pissed about it, Lizzie was probably like, ha, 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 because she's a bitch. You know, one would call her Maggie. You're in trouble. Yeah. So she probably thought it was funny. Either way, that would put Lizzie upstairs. Now, morphine-induced Lizzie didn't know. Like, she was, she would be like, I was upstairs. And then she'd be like, when my dad got home. And then she's like, I wasn't upstairs. I was in the dining room. What are you talking about? And then they'd be like, yeah. but ma'am, you said that you were this. And she'd be like, oh, maybe I, but maybe I was upstairs for a minute. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the I fuck I was doing. I'm really high as a yeah, kite. Yeah, I mean, like, for who does really know where they were anyway? I don't fucking know where I was. I don't know. Before we started recording this. True. I don't know what time I did any of the things I did. It's hard if you start and think you know about what time you went upstairs. Like, no. It's not like you have an Apple Watch on your wrist. Oh, you're right. I always forget to wear mine. I don't plug it in. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... This like these timetables are as near as they can tell. Yeah. Ten thirty five to ten forty five AM, Bridget sees Lizzie go into the dining room and speak low to her father. Right. So according to Lizzie, she thinks that she was like already in the dining room. Sometimes she thinks she was already in the dining room where dad came home. Other times she mm-hmm. thinks that she's maybe upstairs and then came down. Whatever the case is, she goes and she does talk to him. Um Bridget has no idea what the fuck they're talking about because they're kind of whisper, whisper. Yeah. And then Bridget goes back about her business doing whatever it is she's I'm doing. I'm going to interrupt again. Okay. If you knew you were going to murder your dad with an axe or hatchet or whatever in just a couple minutes, wouldn't you just straight up attack him right then instead of like stopping and like having a hushed conversation with him because he doesn't feel good. So I understand like kind of being almost hushed too. Mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, you're trying to, you know, like just being quiet. Cause sometimes you want to whisper when people are calming down. So I guess to me, that seems strange that she would go and have a conversation with him 
like being all like sweet and hushed and then like what like a half an hour later come back with an axe when she's already done an axe murder once i just like don't or a hatchet murder yeah i I don't understand like that's just as that's interesting to me unless she was like oh shit the maid's right here right (laughs) but I don't know. Like, Do it just think... is weird because she would have had, like, her I mean, garb on because we know that it would have been really hard for her to change so fast. Like, like I think if she did do them, like, she had to have been wearing something else. Well, that's why some people are like, oh, she was naked, you know, or she was whatever. But, like, she still would have had to get from, like, she would have killed Abby. Let's say that she was kind of naked or whatever. Um, or that she wiped down with a dress or something. There is a dress we're going to talk about in in just a little bit here, if we can ever okay. get to that point. But there is a dress that <laughs> that we can talk about that she burned within a couple of days of the murder. Oh, okay. Right. So we haven't gotten to that part yet. It just would be like so hard for her to clean up that fast. After the other murder, yeah, and then knowing, I feel like we're gonna have to do another episode know, because we're already I know, like, I know. So, so let's just get so deep. Let's just that. get through this day, right? Before this day, okay, let's perfect. Just get through this day. So Andrew goes upstairs to his bedroom during the same time period, and I don't know what he was doing up there, but he he had to go up that back stairway, right? And then returns within a few minutes, and then he goes into the sitting room on the sofa. He's feeling tired. At this point, he's gearing up to take a nap, right? The fateful nap. Okay. Um, There's still people saying that they saw him at 1040. Like, they're swearing by it. They're like, no, 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 I saw him at 1040 because I looked at the city hall clock. These are just people that are putting him at that little bit later time period of hitting the front door at 1040 as opposed to 1030. Yeah. At 1045, Mary Chase. So there's a Mr. and Mrs. Chase. They are they reside over the uh, the Wade's store. So that is not far from the, the Borden house because, again, they're near the downtown area. So these folks live above the store. Mrs. Chase, Mary, sees a man on the border fence, the Borden fence, uh, taking pears. They We know that they have this pear tree okay. in the backyard, so that's kind of weird. Um, nobody else sees this man, but she does. I am going to put in here, too, that like there is a book that I had read at some time that claims that the weird man that was seen, that he smelled incredibly bad. Okay. Like that he was very stinky. So I'm just putting just that out there because the there's another theory that this could have been someone in particular that was a smelly person. So okay. <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there. Okay. Okay. And I was pretty stuck on this theory until I started really looking into the smelly man theory. And anyway. Okay. And it got silly. Okay. okay. 1045 to 1055. Lizzie puts her ironing board on the dining room table and so she can get those handkerchiefs. Yeah, remember she's Bippy. got those those handkerchiefs, like 10 of them. She really wants to get them going. Bridget finishes the last window in the dining room. 
Lizzie, when she's asked about like where Bridget is, like if she ever sees Bridget washing windows, she's basically like, I don't fucking know. I don't pay attention to what that bitch is doing. Like she completely yeah. like disregards Bridget's existence and like where she may or Do we may know anything be. about Emma during all of this time? Yeah. Emma was visiting a friend out of town. Like in one of the next oh, okay. towns so she over. Just, just gone. She was just like okay. not there. Um, Lizzie had written her not even from the morning not even from the morning Lizzie had actually written her a letter and mailed it to her just like a like hey sister like just saying hi while she was gone for a few days and that letter was actually returned to the Borden house because they ended up having to send her a telegraph that said hey your dad is not doing well like please Your come home yeah. I, like yeah. you're needed here please come home during the inquest there's a part where he, where the the questioner says will you give me the best story you can this is after a bunch of back and forth okay a bunch of back and forth yeah and the questioner and she's still high yeah this is while she's super high the guy is getting mean to her and he's trying to sum it up he finally says Will you give me the best story you can so far as recollection serves you of your time while he was gone? And she says, I sprinkled my handkerchiefs and got my ironing board and took them in the dining room. Apparently, she had this cute little ironing board and she like had that on the table. I took the ironing board in the dining room and left the handkerchiefs in, in the kitchen on the table. And whether I ate cookies or not, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) then i sat down looking at the magazine she's talking about a harper's magazine waiting for the heat for the flats to heat so she's got this ironing right um they call them flats she's got this little thing of do you know what i'm talking about you've seen them in antique stores Mm -hmm. it's like this teeny tiny little iron they have to like put it in a heated area to make it hot right and she's waiting mm-hmm. for the kitchen fire to get going. And it's just not, it's not doing what she wants it to do. She says, then I went in the sitting room and got the Providence Journal, which is a newspaper, and took that into the kitchen. I don't recollect of doing anything else. She's basically just like yeah. she's sitting around and she's just waiting. She's trying to just kill some time. Not... Mm-hmm. Not she's killing time, not people, according to her. Killing time, not people. Okay. Okay. Ten forty-five to ten fifty-five. This is the part. Okay, I was wrong. This is the part where Lizzie talks to Bridget in the kitchen. Earlier, I said she had talked to to Bridget in the kitchen. Really, that I think conversation was about breakfast, not about whether or not she's going out. So now, ten forty-five okay. to ten fifty-five. At this time, I just want you to keep in mind. That Abby's been dead upstairs. Abby had died. Yeah. D- Abby's already been dead for at least 45 minutes at this point. Um, yeah. But nobody knows it. So if you're right, and Lizzie did suggest at one point that she thought that that door was closed, very well could be. Yeah. Oh, my God. It just dawned on me. What? I think you might be right that the killer could have been in that room. Because if... If they say that the door was closed at that period when Lizzie had been going up and down the stairs before, and then later on, it seems that the door was open when they actually found the body. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, Hmm. that that person came down when it was time to get Andrew. Okay. 
So Lizzie asks Bridget in the kitchen if she's going out, and she tells her about that note, the one that I mistakenly told you about before, about the sick friend and whatever. Okay. And then the sale at a store called Sargent's. They have that conversation. Now, Mr. Chase, he is the, remember I said Mr. and Mrs. Chase live not not far from there? And Mrs. Chase is the one that saw the weird man that might be the stinky man. The stinky man. Yeah. Yeah. So her husband then observes a man with an open buggy parked just beyond the tree in the front of the Borden house. That's sometime between 10.50 and 10.55 a.m. So this is around the same time that Lizzie and Bridget are talking about the sale. And they're in the kitchen. Yeah. If our theory stands and the bad person is in the bedroom upstairs, then that couldn't be the stinky man. No. No. So, but it could be somebody waiting for the killer to come out. It could be, but why is somebody helping the stinky man if he stinks? And, like, would they have smelled the stinky man <laughs> in the house? Because, yes. like, if if this chase lady could smell him from, I don't know how far away she was from him, but it seems like, like, she's like, did he just look stinky and he actually wasn't? I just think, I think that that man, like, I think that, I, I don't know what those men were doing. Like, the one with the buggy is the guy with the parked buggy, is that the guy, did somebody just make up that stinky man part? Let's forget about that for now, okay? Like, yeah. if we're going with our theory about what's happening, if the killer is, in fact, in the bedroom upstairs, and Lizzie is, in fact, downstairs, as is Bridget, Bridget's, you know, doing what she's doing, but there was somebody parked out front there. Okay, so that's yeah. ten fifty to ten fifty five, and maybe that maybe that person has and nothing to this... do with any of it. Yeah, and Bridget never said that she felt like like Lizzie was trying to distract her, no, or anything like that. No, she just, I mean, like she told her about this that. Is note. Like, no matter who did this, this whole thing is very ballsy. It is super ballsy because, like, to just be sitting with like a one person, like knowing that you have a like the job to finish, right? Yeah. Like, you already know you have this job to finish, and there's just can you this body sitting upstairs. Yeah, like, at any given moment, like, what if Bridget accidentally went upstairs and found the body? What if the dad went up there for some reason? But this person might have known that, like, this person knows that Bridget's not going to go in those rooms, right? They would have she's to She's not allowed to go in the bedroom. They would have to know that. That would imply that it had to be set up by somebody that knows the family. inside. They had to know the house, too, because if they were getting past everybody, they would have to be passing through rooms when other people were in the dining room. Like, they literally... And, like, watching the people and, like, making little runs for it in between. Yeah. It literally, like, that's why Lizzie got charged for this, because... It it just was like there it, there was no opportunity for anybody else, like unless they were just very sneaky, unless she was helping someone. And I could see how if she hired somebody else, but then yeah, but what if she's like ushering them through maybe the house? Bridget just didn't realize. Maybe Lizzie's like, okay, Bridget's Bridget's gone, and like go, distracting go, go. Bridget during these conversations. Yeah. 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 Anyway, okay, so. Maybe maybe Ab or maybe Lizzie relocked 
the deadbolt. Maybe. To distract and get him to come through that front door for some reason while she did something else in a different part or getting somebody else through the house into a different area. Maybe. And that's why she was laughing because she was like, I fucking got away with it. I know. Okay. So Bridget goes up to her bedroom. Like she really is feeling like shit. Like remember all the barfing? Okay. Yeah. So Bridget goes up to her room somewhere between 1055 and 1058. So this is right about the time we know that there's that weird buggy parked in front of the house. We know that she had just talked to Lizzie. So Lizzie remains downstairs. Bridget goes up the back staircase all the way up to the third floor and lays down. Yeah. According to her, she doesn't like take any clothes off. She doesn't whatever. She basically just in all of her clothes and shoes and everything just lays on her bed for a little bit because she's trying to like collect herself because she feels like shit. Yeah. Okay. She hears the dinging going off at 11 a.m. Like I'm going to say that is that she hears the city hall clock chime at 11 a.m. Okay. So that's what she's doing up there. But let's just talk about what the fuck is Lizzie doing while Bridget is supposedly lying down. Okay. According to Lizzie, this is like the best version of this that I can come up with based on all of the back and forth and ridiculousness of the morphine induced conversations. So to sum it up. I believe Lizzie says that she was waiting for her iron, the flat irons, to heat in the fire in the kitchen, okay, in that little stove. She had been reading that Harper's Magazine, and then she was reading the paper, right, while waiting in the kitchen. But she decided to go to the barn because she was getting ready to go on a fishing trip the next Monday, okay? And, you know, like, she's reading this magazine, she's just you know, be bopping around. And she's like, you know what? I'm going fishing next Monday. I think that I'm going to go out to the barn while I'm waiting and look for, like, I think we have some little pieces of lead that have like a hole in it that I can use for a sinker. Um, It had been like five years or so since she had gone fishing and used her fishing gear. And all of that fishing gear was at the farm. That that her dad owned. Okay. Okay. And so she yeah. was like, she didn't really know, but she knew she was going to have to replace all of all of that stuff. She knew she was going to have to replace her fishing lines and the hooks and the sinkers and everything and like buy new. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, I think I could at least get the lead. So she claims that she had to unhook that back door in order to go outside to the barn where she okay. was going to look for a piece of lead that had a little hole in it. Um, she had mm-hmm. a rough idea of where it might be up in the loft of the barn um, where there was this like workbench up there. Now, she did say that she had not been in the barn for probably about three months before this. Okay. So she just randomly decides on this day that she's going to go up into the barn which is like the farthest away on the property that she could possibly be. And the iron is still heating. Right? Yes. Yes. The flats are just in that little fire, right? So she also claims that, you know, she must have been feeling good enough because she stopped on her way to the barn and picked up three pairs off of the ground. 
Which Everybody's also eating pears. Gross. Like why? Your dad just like pears. dumps the slop buckets right there. Like that everybody washes themselves with, and you're just gonna pick up pears no, off yeah. the ground. Like sanitation, people. That's super gross. No wonder everybody has poop all the time. I know they all got the squirts all the time. So she she grabs the pear from under the pear tree and then takes them into the barn and goes up to the second story into the loft. Once she gets up there, she goes to the front of the barn and she's looking out this window. And from there, she would have been able to see somebody going into or out of the house via that back door or even that the cellar doors. So she's just okay. standing there in the window, slowly eating these pears. She says that it takes her, I don't know, she guesses like probably 10 minutes to eat the pears. And they were like, why did it take you so long? And she said, because I can't do anything Three in pears. <laughs> it's like you know that that feel I guess I get it like you're kind of zoning out you haven't been feeling good if we're gonna take her at her word she's probably like you, you know, don't have anywhere to be necessarily it's not right. like she's got a schedule she's running her her day is very very lackadaisical you know kind of leisurely leisure yeah. a woman of leisure like there she is she's just I couldn't eat fucking one pear probably in 10 minutes. Like, your hands would get all sticky. And what do you do? Are you, like, holding two pears in one hand and then eating it one with the other hand? I don't get it. Like, that's a lot of pears to eat. And, like, if you didn't have the shits already, you would get the shits from eating so many pears. I don't know. Like, cookies and pears, that wasn't the best choice. No, not after being vomitous. I don't get it. Was she pooping at all during when when being questioned afterwards? That's also a thing too. It's like, like, did she have to stop and shit multiple times because she's saying she's been poopy? Like, did she vomit? She never said she she was. You're the one that keeps saying that she was poopy. She was vomitous. Okay, but did she stop and vomit? (laughs) No, nobody saw her get sick. Like she just told everybody. That's the thing. That's kind of it's kind of sad. Well, yeah, that's why they thought that perhaps. She had poisoned the family. The food choices that she's making. I don't know. She's making weird choices. So she stops looking out that window, you know, and they're questioning her really heavily about this because they're basically like, okay, so that basically that only door that somebody could have gone in or out of, like, you would have seen them and you didn't see anything, nothing. And she never mentions anything about the guy in the buggy that's out there. Right? She never mentions anything about seeing a dude out there. None of that. I guess she probably spent, she guesses she probably spent like another 10 minutes or so digging through that workbench that was up there after she got done eating all those pears. In my mind, that would have been like the only opportunity that there would have been for somebody to leave the house through the back door without anybody seeing them. Because if we're to believe what's going on here, Bridget at this point is laying upstairs and here's Lizzie doing whatever. Yeah. I don't believe any neighbors saw her in the backyard, which they got nosy neighbors. Like they nosy as fuck. Nobody sees her. I don't know. It doesn't make much sense to me at all. So, yeah, they ask her just like, but she's also high. So she is also high. All right. 1055 to 11 a.m. 
during this time period, the same time period that she's saying that she's, you know, lounging around, walking around the barn, doing weird things that she suddenly just decides to do. This is where Andrew is is killed. He's killed sometime in here with the same sharp object, which we now know to be probably a hatchet, not an axe. And that, you know, the latest that this could have happened was like 11 a.m. 11 a.m., Mrs. Churchill or Addie Churchill, the north side neighbor, leaves her house to go to the grocery store over on South Main. So in other words, she's leaving her house at 11 a.m. She's not claiming that she sees anybody leaving that house. She would have seen somebody leaving house. And she doesn't the see the buggy person. Right. So let's 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 go back here. 1055 is when if this person was in the house, he's a good sneaker though. Like let's get that straight. That he would have been able to like he's anticipating every move that everybody's making. He sure is, right? So if that getaway buggy's out there, let's just say if, by chance here that the getaway buggy's out there and it's out there until 1055, right? According to Mark Chase. Mark Chase also never says that he sees somebody getting into that buggy. So it could be that while Mrs. Churchill is finishing up, that just so happens that the perpetrator would have ran out of the house, you know, and gotten away at that 11, you know, just before 11 o'clock. That leaves like such a small, itty bitty piece of space to get that man out of the house, whoever killed or man or woman, right? Probably a woman. So that's, again, why this all goes back to Lizzie, because they're like, nobody else had the opportunity to do this. So, again, I say, yeah, Bridget hears that City Hall Klein clock chime at 11 a.m. 11. Okay. 11.05, somebody named Hyman, which is an unfortunate name, Lubinsky. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. if his name was Hyman Shortsleeves? <laughs> But it wasn't. His name was... It wasn't. Okay. Hyman Lubinsky. He drives his horse cart past the Borden house. And there's nothing nothing remarkable at 11.05. So in other words, they're, I think they're just trying to establish here that like nobody saw anything at 11. Nobody saw anything at 11.05. At 11... It only takes like 30 seconds to leave a home. <laughs> it does. You are correct. You're right. Like, I, I think that it had to have happened. Like, it makes sense to me if that buggy was involved in this, that they were out there and they were ready to go. But, like, how did they know that it was the safe zone? You know what I mean? It doesn't make Yeah, any like, sense that's to the me. part. Like, that's anybody knowing that all of these safe zones happened, like, that's just. Lizzie had to be ushering them through the house. I, I just don't. I, I don't get it any other way. Okay. Yeah. So 11.10, Lizzie, that's when she starts screaming for her. I and mean, she says, Maggie, come quick. Somebody has killed father. She says someone has come yeah. in, into the house, basically, and killed father. Like, it just seems, I guess a person would assume that somebody had to have come into the house. It just seems like a weird thing to say. Someone has come in and killed father. Well, I mean, like, what else would she think, though? I mean, like, let's say she's not involved. What what else is she going to think? That Maggie did it or that the stepmom did it? 
obviously it's somebody came in the house and also she's been paranoid that somebody has been poisoning them and is out to get them. True. Yeah. If that in fact was truth if and that she really felt truth. that way, she'd been paranoid. So that would make sense for her to say somebody has come in. Like if I came in yeah. and this is a terrible thing to imagine, but like I came into my house and so, like somebody was murdered, I'd be like somebody came in here and murdered them because obviously I didn't do it. Right. You know, and it's just it seemed like a very self-serving thing to say, but I don't know. Anyway, um, eleven ten. So how much time does that give her? If Bridget last saw her at, let's look back here. So Bridget last sees her at about ten fifty-five. Okay. Yeah. So ten fifty-five. So 15 minutes. 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Like she literally would have had to start killing her father as soon as Bridget was gone. It would be like, Bridget's gone. Quick, yeah. quick, 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 quick. And then what? And Bridget didn't say that ab- or that Lizzie told her to go take a nap or something, right? She wasn't like, oh, you're not feeling good. Go to lay down. I don't think so. I mean, I could look again, but I don't think so. Like it, it just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Like, in then like, there's just so much chance with all of this. There is, no matter who did it. It just it blows my mind that 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 they decided to do this. Like, why not do it? I mean, the other thing is like, did Emma know at night while they're sleeping? That would yes. have been so much easier to do. Did Emma it would have know been about so much this? Easier to do this at night. Is that why she chose to be away from the house? Like, was Emma actually at the friend's house? They think so. I think they confirmed all that. They also or maybe were the trying friend to confirm, got paid off afterward. They also confirmed that like John Morris, the uncle, wasn't there. So it's just it's just weird. Okay, so Lizzie, first thing she does is she sends Bridget to go get Doctor Bowen. There were other doctors that were in the vicinity, like on their street, but they weren't the right kind of doctors, right? Like one was an Irish immigrant doctor. Can't use that, right? Yeah, you you can't use him. Yeah. Right, right. Because can't do that. Anyway, so sends Bridget over to get Dr. Bowen. Dr. Bowen's not there. In a strange turn of twist, I believe Dr. Bowen was actually uh, doing a house call at the house where Dr. Morse or not Dr. Morse, but Uncle John was visiting. Like, okay. he just happened to be doing a house call over there. He tells, one, uh, yeah. Bridget tells the wife, and it was like, hey, something horrible's happened. Like, you need to tell your husband as soon as he gets home that he needs to come over. Between 11.10 and 11.13, Bridget runs back to the boarding house and tells Lizzie that he's not home. So Lizzie's like, do you know where where my friend Alice Russell lives? I don't want to be alone. Can you please go get her? Because at this point, presumably, Bridget has told the doctor, doctor's wife, and the doctor's wife was like, oh, you should be home soon. I'll send him over as soon as I can. And, you know, Lizzie's saying, you know, she's scared. But yet, okay, if somebody's, like, murdered in the house, like, and I don't know if they're in there still, like, I'm going to run out of the house. And isn't she looking for her stepmom at this point, too? Or she thinks her stepmom's gone. She says that she thinks the stepmom's gone. At the market. 
Right. She's just like, but why wouldn't she be like, go find my stepmom at the market? I don't then? know because she doesn't want to be. Here's alone. the places where she might be. I then again, like you know, tragedy happens. People go into shock, right? So let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So if you go into also, shock, Lizzie again, all of this that Lizzie said is all from morphine. But Correct. I guess that Bridget's no, corroborated Bridget, this part. Bridget corroborated this whole section. And so did some okay. other people. So they're like, okay, this all makes sense. So in that same time zone of the 1110 to 1113, uh, Bridget grabs her hat and shawl from the kitchen entryway and rushes over to Alice's house to go get her. Meanwhile, Mrs. Churchill can see like into their house, right? And see what's going on. And she's a nosy. So she had apparently gotten back from the supermarket, and she uh, sees Bridget running. Supermarket? Right. Like, she sees Bridget running across the street. And she looks over and sees Lizzie just, like, standing in that that back side doorway, right? And she's like, she looks not great, right? Like, she's somebody that's seen something or been through something. And so she yells out to Lizzie and is like, hey, you you good? And she's like, no, no, I'm not good. You know, like somebody killed my dad. Like, not cool. So Mrs. Churchill's like, okay, okay, I'm going to I'm going to help you. And then she crosses the street to go look for a doctor. Also, while Mrs. Churchill is running to try to find help from a doctor, she runs into this guy named John Cunningham. They talk to others and then they use a phone over at Gorman's paint shop. Which is, again, these people live in the downtown area. There's shops and stuff everywhere, obviously. Yeah. They use this telephone or telegraph or I don't know what the fuck it was then. And they call the police. Now, it just so happens that this day the police are kind of busy. They're having like a big picnic or something um, with all the police. Yeah. And they're busy picnicking. They're busy. They're having a picnic. And everyone says that, like, oh, you know, Lizzie did the, She totally knew that the police were going to be having this this special picnic thing and they'd all be, like, super distracted uh-huh. and that would make it even easier. And that's why she chose this day to do it. Yada, yada, yada. I don't know. Whatever the fuck. That's, that's what happened. So this guy named Marshall Hilliard um, receives the call. You know, one of the police officers. Just kidding. I made that part up. It's He's not like a police marshal. <laughs> His first name is named just Marshall. <laughs> okay, so his name is Marshall. Oh my God. I don't really get weird. it. Oh, just kidding. No, he is a police marshal. Okay, I get it. <laughs> he's a police marshal named Marshall? No. I don't know what his first oh. name is. All right. Okay. Let's just forget that part. Can we back that part off? There's maybe? some kind of police person. No, I'm not taking that out. Okay, okay. But there's <laughs> some kind up. of police person may or may not be named Marshall. He may or may not be a Marshall, but he takes a phone call. I got to tell you that the get, whole We're not going to remember his fucking name no. anyway. I have to okay. tell you the whole time, all I can think of is that guinea pig that we used to have named Marshall. <laughs> named Marshall. And then when Marshall died, the kids, like the doc was working um as a he was getting his doctorate at the time and he was working as a 911 dispatcher like on the side so he wasn't home and we had this like guinea pig emergency and the guinea pig dies and then the kids want to have this funeral for him 
and we're like having a funeral in the side yard and somebody like I was like please lower Marshall onto the onto the shovel kind of thing and somehow Marshall gets like flipped over and is in rigor mortis and the guinea pig flips over and his teeth are like sticking out like in the craziest way and all of the kids are like trying so hard to be like super solemn but they all bust up laughing because gp marshall it's dead marshall gp yeah. marshall's got this look like these little teeth like sticking out oh my god it was <sighs> and so i was like okay everyone we should all have a moment to laugh and remember gp marshall as he was and yes. proceed with sadness and then we lowered him into the ground anyway this is not guinea pig marshall this is marshall hilliard okay he receives a call okay from a news dealer, Cunningham. Oh, Mr. Cunningham, John Cunningham that Mrs. Churchill saw. Yeah, that was a news guy. Oh, my God. Everybody's okay. in everybody's business. Okay, I get it now. Well, yeah, because, like, everybody's talking yeah. so fast. So this is a news guy, and he's like, oh, my God, there's a disturbance at the Borden house. So... Yeah. Marshall Hilliard orders Officer Allen probably to leave the picnic and to go to the Borden house. So Allen notes the exact time on an office wall clock because he's like, some shit's going down. I'm going to do some police work starting now. Good job. At 11.15. Yeah. Mrs. Churchill runs back to the house like sometime between 11.16 and 11.20. So now she's part of the cast of characters that's at the Borden house. So right now at the Borden house, everybody that's upset he's spaghetti is Lizzie and Mrs. Churchill and Bridget. Okay. Okay. And Bridget and Mrs. Churchill aren't noticing any difference between how Lizzie was when they left versus how when they she came back. So she's not like cleaning herself up or like no. fixing her hair. Or, nope. Or anything hair in between these. Looks perfect. Her hair looks perfect. Her hands look perfect. Her dress looks perfect. She's wearing some kind of a navy bluish kind of dress kind of thing. Lots of people ask questions yeah. about this dress. Later on, she does change into a dress with a pink wrapper on it, which everyone thinks is real weird because they're like, your family just died and you're going to change into this like yeah. bright pink dress. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. But we all know that she doesn't follow the rules of everybody else. So, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Bowen pulls up in a carriage right about the time that Mrs. Churchill is getting there, too. He's met by his wife, who also, you know, they all live on the street. So it's like this is the neighbors, everyone going crazy. So they all rush over there. So now Mr. and Mrs. Bowen, the doctor, right, and his wife are joining this cast of characters that's over there. John Cunningham, the news guy, he immediately goes to check out the cellar door and finds it locked. So that's like, the, why is that the first thing that he checks? This is weird. That is very strange. But maybe there were just like, that's how a lot of murderers got in and out of places, well, is cellar doors. Like the news people, I guess they have to be detectives too at that time, right? Because they're writing stories. Yeah. So he's probably just like looking for ways in and out of the house. Like who would have gotten in and out? Maybe he's trying to get in and out of the house because he wants to yes. see what's up. That could actually be it. Like he was going to sneak in the cellar door. 
Well, Maybe. Shit. I mean, he's trying to get a peek. He's like, well, somebody got around. and You know, like, yeah, like he wants to get his piece of the story. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Same time Like, period. he maybe wanted to, like, sneak in and then, like, listen to conversations going on inside the house if he didn't have that kind of access otherwise. But I don't know how good this they're. I mean, like, like, for other crimes we know of from this time period, people are just, like, they're just, like, the reporters are inside the house. So he's <laughs> trying to get in. Because nothing's secured. So they're just, like, letting people in the oh house. But I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. All right. So shortly after Dr. Bowen arrives and he sees Andrew, he's like, oh, shit. Like, we've already talked about... He's like, this fucker's dead. Where are we on? <laughs> yeah, help? like, yeah. he's either... Yeah, he's either beyond help or dead. So they say that he was still doing some bleeding. So according to the doc, he might have still been, like, pumping some blood, right? Yeah. So he asks for a sheet that he can cover up, doc, or cover up the dead body. And so he's alone with Lizzie for approximately one minute. While uh, Bridget and perhaps Mrs. Churchill, I'm guessing, are like going to try to find a sheet. 1120, Officer Allen arrives uh, at the Borden's house and is met at the door by Dr. Bowen. He sees Lizzie sitting alone at the kitchen table. So she really hasn't like left that area of the kitchen, I don't think, mm-hmm. at this point. Other than to maybe be like, eek, you know father's dead yeah. in the next room and remember all of these rooms have doors on them they're all like separate areas of the house so it's not like the open concept of today in houses like where you can see things closed yeah. off right right so she's like getting herself away from the situation staying in the kitchen and presumably she's in shock because they end up giving her this morphine right yeah 11 20 same time as i just said as as the officer Allen arrived, Allen sees Andrew's body at the same time that Alice Russell and Mrs. Churchill come in. Okay, so Mrs. Churchill must have like been out of the house again, and now Alice Russell, that best friend, she's finally arriving to support Lizzie. Okay. Okay. Officer Allen checks the front door and he notes that it's bolted from the inside. Checks uh, the closets in the dining room and the kitchen. Oh, he says it's bolted from the inside. So now, Bridget. So they rebolted they it after he it came after in. he came in. So who rebolted it? You suppose it was Bridget again? But she's supposed to unbolt that for the day. Yeah. So maybe I thought you leave it open, but maybe he likes to have it bolted when he's in there or something. Or maybe I mean he has a good reason to. Obviously, somebody wants to wacky whack him. Yeah. Anyway, they start checking closets in the dining room and in the kitchen. What blows my mind is that nobody is doing a sweeping check of the entire house. Like, yeah, it's weird that they're checking closets, but they're not going upstairs uh, more obviously. Right? Or like in the Especially when nobody's able to locate his wife yet. Right. Like nobody's been able to locate this wife, but they're locating all these other people. Yeah. Around the same time that they're, like, looking for the killer in just two rooms, because they're fucking really good at their job, Uncle John is leaving that house over on Way Bossett Street, his niece and nephew's house. Coming over for dinner. And he takes a streetcar back because he's hungry. In his mind, they should be back to the house with that dinner, and he should be ready to eat. Um, Officer Allen leaves the house and returns to the station. And Bowen goes out with him. 
Alan and Sawyer guard the back door. I just, I don't understand, like, why didn't they station somebody at all the doors? I don't know. They were like, this deadbolt's enough. This deadbolt, but this deadbolted from the inside. And, like, it just doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense to me. Like, the killer could still be in the house. Like, nobody is checked. They just leave the women in there. Like, oh, I guess they're fine. Yeah. Like, we'll just put somebody at the back door just in case to make sure what nobody else gets in. That doesn't make any sense. Dr. Bowen returns home, like, to his house. He he checks the rail timetable, goes to telegram Emma, you know, the one that's in... But they still haven't found the wife yet, but let's... Okay. (laughs) Nobody is looking for the wife. And they're just like they're they're like, oh, we better we better check the rail timetable and make sure that Emma's, you know, going to make it back in time because we've got some devastating news for her. She was visiting in Fairhaven was was the place. And then he also stops at Baker's drugstore. What? Why? Is he just like, I need to pick up to get a, morphine for Lizzie? I need to pick up. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 11.23 to 11.30. So just a lot is happening during this time period. Yeah, this is very quick. It is very quick. And like, this just tells you like how close all of everything was to their house. I know. And that's why I'm thinking like, why? I mean, like, I'm sure somebody is searching for the wife or something like running around, like trying to find here, the wife. Here we go. But it's like, why are you not concerned that you're not finding it? We're finding everybody else and we have time to go make a telegraph and all these kinds of things. Lizzie's the one. It's just weird to me. Lizzie's the one that or unless says. unless Lizzie told them like, oh, she's gone. She did. Like, what is Lizzie? She did. She like had been telling people that that was the case that she thought she was gone. But then Lizzie's is like, somebody needs to check for her. Like, where is she? Um, But not in the house. They're not going to check the house, I guess. No, they are. Like, Lizzie's like, can somebody just, like, check around? Like, maybe check the bedrooms, check whatever. Like, Lizzie's like, somebody needs to tell her. Bridget and Mrs. Churchill, they go upstairs. And they are the ones that discover that body on the floor. Now, presumably, that door was open. I think that's what I've read everywhere is that at that point, the door to at this time. Yeah. And that would make sense. Then they're going up the stairs and that they see the dead body like, oh, there she is just beyond the bed, like under the bed on the other side. 1125 Officer Patrick Doherty at Bedford and Second Streets. He notes the city hall clock time en route to the station. So it's just people giving their timestamp, like, this is when I noticed a clock when I was on my way going to from wherever. 11.34, Bridget gets Dr. Bowen's wife, Phoebe. I don't know why she had to grab the wife, maybe because the doctor was, like, not back yet with with whatever he was getting at the drugstore. 11.35 to 11.40. Um, Officer Patrick Doherty, Deputy Sheriff Wixon arrive at the house and they see John Manning, a reporter, sitting on the steps. <laughs> so yeah. by this time, the news They're is all trying to get in. Yeah. ramping up. People are trying to get into the house, right? I mean, this isn't even like, if you think about it, like he hasn't even been dead an hour yet. Yeah. And everybody is in an uproar. So quick. Like, because they're in such, you know, the center of the town. So he's met at the back door. The reporter is met at the back door by Dr. Bowen, 
who lets him in. What the fuck? The doctor's yep. just like, oh, you're from the news? Come on in, reporter. Let's go take a look-see. Mad people were crazy at the turn of the I century. I know. Francis Wixon, who is the sheriff, and Dr. Bowen, they check Andrew's pockets and remove his watch. <laughs> Why is that important? I don't know. Officer Doherty starts questioning Lizzie, and she tells him that she heard a scraping noise. Like, it just, it doesn't make, like, now she's heard a scraping noise during this whole thing happening. I, I really. People hear scraping noises now in that house, but. Right, right. Um, 1135 to 1140, Officer Doherty views Abby's body with Dr. Bowen. And this is when they pull the bed out to view her better. So they're like, let's fuck with okay. the crime scene. Yeah, so they're fucking with the crime scene. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, well, we need to be able to look at her a little bit better flop her around a little bit, do whatever, you know, just move the whole ass bed out of the room. Before we take pictures, yeah. Right, yeah. 11.35 to 11.45, John Morse, he finally arrives back at the boarding house because he's hungry. He wants to come back for lunch. Yeah. He's, and then, but the first thing he does is he goes to the backyard. Why? Like he doesn't notice that there's like yeah, a gazillion people. He there. sees that there's like a circus, so he just like goes and hangs out in the backyard. He's like, "Oh, this is weird. Visiting family. <laughs> Something is is." And they're like, "Oh, he's dead." And he's like, Actually. "Oh, okay. I'm just gonna hang out back here." What? Eleven thirty-seven. Another officer, Officer Malali, arrives, and then shortly thereafter. Dr. Bowen returns to the Borden house. All we know, so let's just recap the craziness that's happening in the house. There's all these people in the house and nobody's looking for a killer yet. I just, I don't understand. Mm-mm. Like, nope. I guess the killer could still just be like, in the well, house. this fucker's long gone. No, but like he honestly it. could. He could like he disappear could. into this crowd of people that he it showed too. Yeah, because there's just like strangers walking in and out. Like, Jesus Christ. Um. So you've got like Doctor Bowen, his wife, Mrs. Churchill, Alice, the best friend. You have Bridget, random reporters, a couple of random reporters, a handful of police officers. What the hell, man? Churchill tells everybody that they've discovered Abby upstairs. Doherty and the Undertaker Gorman's shop around the corner. They go get on the phone with with Marshall, Marshall Hilliard. Uh, All these officers are around and even more people start to arrive. A whole other slew of people. They they do talk to this Dr. Dolan. Dr. Dolan is the other one. Remember when they did that first autopsy and they took the stomachs out because everyone was talking about yeah. um, whether or not they got poisoned? Yeah. Because she, Abby, or not Abby, but uh, Lizzie was the one talking to Lizzie. Alice the day before and was like, hey, I think that we're all getting whatever. You know, we're getting poisoned. poisoned. I'm scared. All this other stuff. So Dr. Dolan arrives to to look at the bodies. I know that during this time, they're doing weird things to the bodies. Like, they're sitting Andrew's body upright and then dropping him back down. They're doing, like, <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck. Tiny people. I mean, I feel bad, like, laughing. Guess what? Andrew's not in there anymore. I feel, like, 
let me get one thing straight. I don't believe in being disrespectful to dead bodies. But also, when I die, I just want, like, I don't need that body anymore. I'm not in there anymore. Right. So I guess people flop it around, whatever. It just, like, seems like it's just a little bit silly. It's a little bit comical. By today's standards. And I'm sure that they just didn't. They're just going by what they used to do, you know, but. Yeah. And then there's probably Victorian ladies in there and sh- they're just like, oh, this isn't proper, you know, and they're like, oh, heavens, nobody needs to see his things. bare feet. You know, let's put some shoes on him. Like, who knows, like how his body really was versus the time that he was actually killed and the time that they yeah. took the pictures at the crime scene. Yeah. Like. God knows what weird things they could have done to those bodies. Like, yes, just trying to make them look right. Um, 11.45, Morse, that's the uncle, talks to Sawyer outside at the side door. And he later testifies he heard about the murders from Bridget. Morse comes into the house at 11.45-ish to 11.50, he comes in. He wants to see the bodies. Why? I don't Ugh. know. He's like, I'm just here for lunch, but also, can I see the bodies? And they're like, sure. So he sees Andrew's body, and then he goes upstairs and also looks at Abby. And then he comes back down to the dining room, and he talks to Lizzie. And by this time, she's like, she's laying on the lounge in the dining room and like people are like fanning her and like massaging her wrists and stuff and they're like all her ladies you know Mm -hmm. around her like are you okay miss lizzie and she's like i reckon not and then uh you know (laughs) like they're all just a direct quote yeah completely (laughs) direct quote she got southern suddenly she did (laughs) (laughs) okay but whatever the case is She's a fucking Yankee, dude. She is a Yankee, so therefore she did not sound like that. Okay, whatever the case okay. is, she she's laying on this lounge in the dining room, okay? And they don't think that she's acting as a proper lady should. She's not sobbing, and she's not being as gentle as she should be. Like, everyone's like, what's wrong with Lizzie? Like Because she's in shock. I know, but they just don't like the way that she's acting. Like, all the men. She's not being crop. Yeah, the like men that are coming in, yeah. they're just like, what is wrong with this bitch? Like, she is cold. She's not crying. She's not whatever. Like, they're not seeing it for what it is, except for the doctors. Like, somebody just give her some... I think they call it bromine caffeine. Some morphine, so she starts acting more ladylike. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Perhaps she'll faint and weep. Well, that's or why they put her on that lounge. It's like a fainting couch. Yeah. In case she would faint. All right. So it's stylish to faint. It yeah. is. So eleven fifty, assistant Marshall Fleet arrives. He sees the bodies, talks to Lizzie in her room with the Reverend. Reverend Book. The Reverend Book. I like how they put it like that. Lizzie says, quote, During this talk, at this time, she's not yet, I don't think she's yet on morphine, but I think she's on what they call bromine caffeine or something like that, which I'm guessing is just another drug that is not as heavy as morphine. And she says... 
quote, she's not my mother. She's my stepmother. <laughs> like they're asking her questions like, did your mother, did your mother? And she's like, yeah, not my mom. Like not the appropriate time to say that, but also drugs. Eleven yeah. fifty. Uncle John, he goes to the backyard and just like hangs out outside in the backyard all afternoon. I'm well. This is what people did back. Then. I, I guess I do. Can I just take a break here though to uh, just quick give you an idea of what this bromine caffeine is? Yes. Okay, so bromo caffeine is what it's. Oh, I just made that shit up. Okay, gotcha. Well, I I searched bromine caffeine and it came up. So it says <laughs> the indications or uses for this product are or as provided by the manufacturer are found in contemporary medical literature are for brain workers. This delightful effervescent salt is an or is an almost certain remedy for the relief of nervous headache resulting from overtaxed mental energy or excitement. Acute attacks of indigestion or depression following alcoholic excesses, <laughs> the supersensitiveness of chloral morphia, morphia, and opium, I bet you, is, um, mm. and with ladies and headaches and back aches and hysteria and <gasps> dysmenorrhea. I don't know what that means. The feminine and kindred disorders. So it's supposed to get rid of these things for you. It didn't have any morphium or opium in it but it could be a like cure for having too much opium or morphine apparently (laughs) and it has guarana which makes you honestly it makes you act real weird okay i don't know if you've ever had guarana before but i get really um energized by it i guess you could say um hydrobromic acid caffeine these don't seem like things you should use to treat anxiety but anyway they really don't like that i would imagine that that situation made it so much worse and that's probably why they went to the morphine afterward because that that would absolutely i feel like if you were having a panic attack that guarana and caffeine are not things you would want added to your situation unless she had like adhd or something and they were trying to counteract it in another way i don't know yeah they but don't know what that shit is back then no so. no what i do know is that morris i'm sure they told him i'm guessing that they told uncle john that he just wasn't allowed to like leave but he was probably also like i don't want to be in the house with the dead people so i'm just gonna hang yeah. out in the backyard until y'all need me again they did start to, to do a little bit of their own detective work here. I, I don't think it was organized. People just had their own ideas that were on the police force about how they were going to fix this problem. So this sh- deputy sheriff, Wixon, he climbed the back fence and he started to talk to workmen that were sawing wood, you know, in the in the neighboring areas, uh-huh. which is just weird. Just They're just looking around. Asking people questions. They're just canvassing. They're canvassing the area, but nobody's looking for the fucking killer. Okay. Doherty, Fleet, and Medley um, accompany Bridger to the cellar. So finally, they're getting to the point where they're looking in there. This is like an hour after the killings, presumably. And they're like, can you show us where some things are? And she shows them a hatchet in a box on a shelf. Like, I get that they have, like, hatchets all over the place, 
but where they just like, excuse me, Bridget, can you take us to the cellar and give us a tour? And she's like, okay, during that tour, I'm going to present to you a hatchet in a box. Did it have blood on it? Like what's going on with this hatchet? It's that I think this is the hatchet. It might be the handleless hatchet, the one that they found that they think. Yeah, I heard that. Like they there was some ash on it that they thought looked planted. It just here's the part that doesn't make sense to me. I, I think everyone's in agreement that like they didn't find anything on that hatchet that really was like blood. I think there was maybe like some pig hair or something on it from later on. But like, yeah, if in fact pig. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me that, that the killer would have disposed of the weapon in that box. In the house itself. In the house. But, like, yet there really wasn't much time to take it elsewhere. Unless it was Lizzie, like, she could have taken it with her out to the barn if she really did go to the barn. And she could have dropped it in the potty out there. So Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's why people talk about that. A lot of people want them to rip apart that whole bathroom area and look. In the old shitter. Yeah. By 12.15, Officer Harrington arrived. Officer Harrington was the one that interviewed Lizzie in her bedroom. By this time, she was up in the bedroom. She had changed her clothes into that pink dress, the pink wrapper, you know, that everyone... But she may or... Was she high by this point? Yeah. Yeah. Like, she okay. was either well, jazzed up... put a pink dress And on. also, she was, like, jazzed up. She's like, went up to her bedroom. She's feeling a little buzz, you know, from that caffeine stuff. And she's like, yeah. I'm going to put on a pink dress. Mm. You know, I don't know. Maybe she's trying to cheer herself up. Maybe. Marshall Hilliard and the officers, Doherty and Connors, they drive a carriage to Andrew's upper farm in Swansea. That's that farm that she was talking about where the fishing stuff was that he owned. Yeah. Um, yeah. They went up there to kind of try to canvas that area out too and see like if there was anything of interest out there i don't know that there was mm-hmm. and then a bunch of time passes 3 30 p.m that's when they finally take the photos of them so yeah a lot can happen between that time period when all of the craziness was happening in the house people by this time we know that there were people like going in and out of this house right Probably strangers. Yeah, off but this the was just how they investigated murders back then. Yeah. Like having photos included in those wasn't a regular, you know. Like it just it was like in like the afterthought. Like oh yeah, let's going off of up. how they've done it. Yeah, they they're like oh some them. other police force told us once that they took pictures of things and like we should probably yeah. do that. You know, like but that's not how they yeah. normally investigated. Likely, um, there was one story I just heard not that long ago of an old timey murder scene where they actually took the murder victim from the original murder scene and then they just like in front of a church laid the body out <laughs> like oh, in the exact same way. I think I've heard of that one yeah. before too. I don't remember what case it is, yeah. but I'm aware of that. Yes. Um that was a pretty good story. So maybe we'll do that sometime too. But like that's just the kind of stuff that they would do. So by eleven forty, yeah. Emma, the older sister, is finally leaving Fairfield. And she gets on the new Bedford train and heading back to Fall River, finally. So it just shows you that she's on her way back. 4 p.m. rolls around. Lizzie's still in the house. And they've got Andrew and Abby laid out downstairs 
as we talked about before, they're cutting him open. I, I just I can't even wrap my head around that. Like she's still in the house and now her parents are being dissected downstairs. They take the stomachs out yeah. and they seal them. They remove and seal them. Five PM Emma is back in from Fairhaven and returns at the Borden house at five PM. Five PM state detective George Seaver arrives from Taunton. So they're like having somebody come in as a specialty to look at this. 5.30 p.m., Dr. Dolan, that other doctor that was helping with the autopsies, he delivers the bodies of Andrew and Abby to the undertaker, James Winward. Again, undertaker doesn't always have to be medically trained or anything like that. It's just that's where they're going to take them before they're going to get buried kind of thing. 6 p.m., Alice leaves the house. So... Till this time, Lizzie has been accompanied by her best friend, right? But Alice is like, um, yeah. hey, Lizzie, I'm kind of hungry, and I, I'm going to go home and eat supper now, okay? <laughs> so she leaves. I don't want to be here in this morning. Yeah, right? Lizzie does ask her to come back later and spend the night, which is just terrifying in itself, but she does. And then 8.45 p.m., Officer Joe Hyde, observing from a northwest window outside he's the one that's guarding the house from the outside he sees lizzie and alice go down to the cellar at 8 45 p.m so that's that's where we're gonna leave off those two are probably just going potty down in the cellar i, I can't even imagine yeah. the creep factor like murders have just happened if you were the one that just killed them would you be asking your friend to come back like i guess I don't think so. If I had just committed like committed a murder, I feel like I would be trying to get as much alone time as humanly possible in the house to make sure that I had covered all of my tracks. Right. Like that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. I guess like obviously we're going to have to stop at this point. And yeah. then she could have also there's I have so much speculation here, but she could have like delayed finding her dad in the first place as well. Yeah. To give herself more time. Like this is just it doesn't make sense. I know I'm speculating and we're never going to know. It doesn't make sense to me that Lizzie was the actual perpetrator. It does seem to me. All the experts say she was, though. They don't, Most though. of them. I mean, I, I think. Oh, I've heard a lot of them say that they think that she was. Like, I would really like to hear what you have to say on that about how they think she did. But, like, at this point, she's scared or she doesn't want to be alone or whatever but like she does ask her friend to come back her sister's back in the house and like you would think that would be good enough like hey let's just i i just even wouldn't even be at the house i'd be like hey yo can i come sleep at your house like <laughs> fuck this. yeah like they're rich too yes. like you could go get a hotel yes. i don't know what hotel availability was like back then but yeah why wouldn't you leave like why yeah, like aren't you afraid that this person's gonna come back like you yeah. don't know who they were it doesn't make sense to me so and you're just going to, like, go to sleep across the hall from, mm-hmm. like, literally across the hall from where your stepmom was just murdered? I I have to look again. Like, I'm going to look. But I'm pretty sure that she made Alice sleep in the room where the death happened. In the guest bedroom? I think so. Like, oh. I get. <laughs> oh. Like, in that case, bitch, you are a frenemy. That is not a thing. Anyway, can you believe that people do this to coverage on this case and they will do it in like the span of an hour? No, I can't because I just there's so many questions I that keep know. popping up as we go. And I know that it's like 
it's a mystery, which is why we're so pokey getting through it. So I hope that the people listening to this, some of them probably would have dropped off by now if they don't like our style. But right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, well, sorry, guys. Um, we were hoping to wrap it up in three. And I just don't no know. No fucking way. I don't know that it's ever going to get this bad again for another case, but maybe. So we're going to wrap it up for now. And then the next episode will be the trial, what happened after the trial, and then the hauntings. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Keep it cool. Goodbye.